It reminds me actually of the worm in A Bug's Life as well. That yeah. like caterpillar. Oh, I'm a little caterpillar. It's so <laughs> it's so crazy. Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Frida. I'm Abby, and this week's movie is Captain America, the First Avenger. Abby. The first of many. The first of many Marvel movies. Many Marvel movies. Yes. I know, and you're so upset about it, and I felt super guilty, but I messaged you yesterday about this because I, um, I listened to the Girl with All the Gifts edit last night. And at the end of it, you just go, Marvel, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) It just made me go, do you know what? Fuck you. Screw you. I'm making you watch all of them now. I wasn't only going to pick a couple of them with the main scientists. And now I'm like, do you know what? No, you're coming on the entire journey. We're doing every single episode so far in the MCU (laughs) universe right up until this year. And by the time we get through them, there'll be about 10 more movies after coming out. So you brought this on (laughs) yourself. Is a little bit like a cult. People that like Marvel. It's a, uh, well, it can't be yeah. a cult if it's that massive, but it's sort of a religion. Would you even say? There's a little bit. Um. Oh God, I don't know if I'm gonna laugh. A little bit of I'm a. Not re- that obsessed. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Abby, listen. I have to tell you something. Oh God, what? Go on. And now, notes from Frida's mum. My mom sent me a message that, and I just want to preface this by saying, I just want to preface, preface, preface this by saying that she is what you'd call a sophisticated lady. She said, Abby is so impressive when she starts up about space travel and stuff. That's really sweet. Thank you. The practicalities. (laughs) That was it. And that was... Notes from Frida's mum. Aww. I just wanted. Thanks, Frida's mum. I just wanted to tell you that because <laughs> she she doesn't she doesn't dish it out for everybody. She really doesn't. Oh my god, I feel special. There you go. So you should feel special. Yay. Is that anyway. the little bit of positivity that you're giving me before I make you talk about Marvel? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, is the rest of this just going to be? <sighs> And Frida shits on Abby's dreams and loves. I'm saving it. I'm saving it. <laughs> All I'm right. Sh- okay. Oh shit. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I want my. I want this. I want my reactions to be genuine. Oh no. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm just gonna get. Um, we're gonna go through the summary then. All right. Let's just do the movie summary go and let's just it. get into it then, because we'll have a little bit of a chat about the movie after the summary. <laughs> All right then. Okay. So Captain America: The First Avenger. One second. Steve Rogers is just a skinny kid from Brooklyn. He's a man of strong morals and good character with an admirable intolerance for bullies. But he's a short guy with a stream of health issues and not an ounce of muscle mass, not qualities high on the list of desirable for a soldier in combat. Lucky for us, this is a movie. And it's a comic book movie at that. So lurking in the shadows, in a totally not creepy way, is Abraham Erskine. Having overheard some very righteous and heartfelt professions from Steve to his dear pal Bucky, Erskine offers him a lifeline an opportunity to join the war effort and play his part. He just has to go to the training camp, sow the seeds of romance with Agent Carter, convince Tommy Lee Jones that brains and heart is just as useful as muscle and brawn, and then let good old Erskine pump him full of drugs. 
<laughs> Dr. Erskine was a German chemist sought after by the Nazi party for his research skills. When he tried to escape to Switzerland, Hugo Weaving's agents got wind and he yanked him out of cryo. There's a box office smash in the works, Hugo. Let's go. Johann Schmidt, the head of the Nazi science division and leader of Hydra, gets on the hunt and captures Erskine. While in captivity, he was forced to continue his work on a serum that would amplify the physical and mental capabilities of humans, creating super soldiers. Johann, the impatient bugger, decides to take the serum himself before it has been fully vetted and tested. Gaining the super strength, but also some rather nasty side effects that turn his face into an ugly red skull. While Schmidt is distracted with his face falling off, Agent Carter rescues Erskine. Now, rescue might be a strong word here because I suspect they were more interested in like the serum than saving his actual life. Erskine starts working for the Allied forces alongside Colonel Phillips, where they set up Project Rebirth. And now we're back to Rogers. Erskine reckons he has perfected the serum. No more red skulls, just peak physical perfection. Wondrously, well, this is a superhero movie after all, the serum works. In went Leandro Dini and out came Chris Evans. Thank you, technology. Unfortunately, wow. <laughs> unfortunately, as these things go, a sacrifice is required to ensure our alter ego is forced firmly into his hero status. There's a spy in the midst. A German assassin shoots Erskine and seals the only vial of serum that's left. You see, Erskine didn't believe in keeping like a log book, so the only copy of the formulas were in his now slowly dying brain. Reeling from the events, the army decides that it should probably like cover up the fiasco entirely, deciding that Steve won't get to go to war. He is an untested lab experiment after all. So, they make a star-spangled costume and send Rogers out to do camp shows, calling him Captain America. He eventually, though, ends up on stage at an army encampment that's run by none other than Colonel Phillips with Agent Carter. And it also turns out that his old best buddy's troop is stationed there, too. And not only that, it is also set up near a Hydra base. Coinkydink? I think not. Bucky has been captured. So, Cap defies orders with the help of Stark and Carter, infiltrates the base, blows up a bunch of crap meets Red Skull in a sidekick Zola, rescues Bucky and the rest, and parades back into camp with a bunch of fancy hydro weapons and a tank. And now, now, Steve Rogers is finally allowed to be a soldier. Meanwhile, Red Skull's been hunting down the Tesseract and harnessing its power to make weapons that can disintegrate the puny members of the Third Reich. Hitler is so last year, like, it's Red Skull's time to shine. A movie <sighs> montage of Cap leading the troops to destroy all the hydra bases culminates with the final battle. Loss of Bucky, destruction of Red Skull, a missed dance, and Cap sacrificing himself for the greater good like he was born to. Good amplified becomes great. With Cap on ice and the Tesseract lost, the story ends. Or does it? Of course it doesn't. It's an origin story for Marvel's sake. (laughs) Captain America will return. A man out of time. Chris Evans is... Such a babe. <laughs> he is, isn't he? <laughs> he just doesn't get more handsome than Chris Evans. Yeah. It's just, he's like also kind of a little bit judgmental. He's got this like judgmental thing happening yeah. where it's like you want him to like you. Yeah. I feel like if I met him in person, I'd be like, please like me. Your approval means a lot. But then I wonder, is it is that the type of person he is or is it just being projected because he's 
playing through the ultimate, like the absolute ultimate um, icon of goodness in Captain America. But he he plays good people. He plays yeah. the good people person in more than one movie. He's very well cast. Have you seen Knives like Out? The, the, no, I haven't. Okay, okay. You I haven't need seen to watch, it. You need to watch Knives Out. Watch Knives Out. I would. But he, he, he was in the movie we saw, um, Sunshine, and he yeah. plays Mr. Good. And, yeah, he does that a few times. Can I ask you a question, though, Abby? Yeah. Who's your favorite Chris of Hollywood? Can we rank the oh. Chrises? Okay. There's Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth of last week. Mm. We had did Cabin in the Woods last week, yes. correct? Yes, so yes, Chris we did, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Chris Pratt, mm. I love Chris Pratt. He's funny. Then Chris Pine, who oh, yeah. he's like not really on my radar. So but I'm Chris gonna. Can we rank our Chris's? Yeah. We can. You Let's see, rank. If you want to okay. really rank Chris Pine, you gotta watch. Um, you gotta watch Wonder Woman, but you also have to watch um, Into the Woods because that's that's Ooh. an interesting yeah that's an interesting one when you see um Chris Pine that's a, it's a musical that's a a movie musical well it was a so stage musical is... but it's been turned into a movie but anyway so the Chris's I'm and it's not because it's the one we're doing today but I'm going to go oh I'm going to go ugh, my mind has changed over the years definitely so where I stand mm-hmm. right now it would be um Evans, Hemsworth, Pine, Pratt. Ah, mm. interesting. Pine, Pratt, eh? Okay. Yeah. I am... See, this is where... Okay, this is where I'm, I get confused because yeah. I enjoy looking at Chris <laughs> Evans more than any other Chris. Okay. And then followed very quickly by Chris Pratt. I like looking at Chris, Chris Pratt. Yeah. But Chris Hemsworth has likability. Yeah. And charm mm. through the roof, in my opinion. So I love Chris Hemsworth. Also, his Australian. No, no, yeah. no. But I don't care about that. But I would. I'm going to say Chris Hemsworth. Then Chris Evans, Chris Pratt, Chris Pine. Okay. That's my Chris rankings. <laughs> Listeners, Satins, Satins, tell us your Chris orders. Tell us, us your Chris rankings. Give us your rankings. I'm sure someone's done a whole thing out there somewhere. There must be some like national poll <laughs> survey thing that tells us what the rankings of Chris's are at any one time and how it changes over time with each new movie that comes out. We'll see I wonder what- if Chris is a popular baby name at the moment or oh, not. Yeah. I wonder anyway. what the I wonder what the ranking of Chris Evans has been from Captain America: First Avenger right up through to Endgame. Because this is so so this is something that I thought would be interesting, right? Because what what I like is the idea of this is the in doing these movies. This will be the first time where we'll do stuff where you will see the characters return, and you will see them change, oh, and you will see them grow. Right. Okay. So and you'll see the stories grow and you'll see the science kind of background to it like things that we don't understand now we'll understand in a few movies and, and things like that. So I would be interested to see how you feel about things as it moves on and what happens with the characters and everything. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. But I did write down That is fun. <laughs> yeah. I wrote down before and you said it before um I did the summary. But I I wrote down that um 
I know that this isn't your type of movie and you're super hesitant to watch it. But I was like, keeping in mind that I love Marvel movies with a passion and I will cry if you're mean about it. What did you think? I know. (laughs) Okay. I've been thinking a lot about this. How to say this. Okay. So you know when you're reading a lot of nonfiction, right? And you're reading about things and you're like learning and it's so interesting. You're learning about all sorts of different things. And then you read a novel and you're like, geez, novels are stupid. <laughs> They're just stupid. So that's kind of a similar experience that I had, actually, because I was watching it and I'm like, God, movies are dumb. <laughs> that was like my thought. The other thought that I had was that... um. It kind of reminded me of pornography uh. because <laughs> because that that's movies. What? This is a movie. I'm trying, I'm trying to get my word. I'm trying to use all these analogies and uh. metaphors because <laughs> I don't know how to talk about this. It's basically okay. like the the picture is moving in front of me, and therefore, by definition, this is a movie. Oh my god! But is it but is it cinema? Yes. I don't know. It's it's a different it's a different category of entertainment yes i know absolutely which has its place for many many people but not you maybe not me (laughs) maybe not me well that's all the thing is right we we kind of actually (laughs) look one of the flaws with having captain america being the first one it has to be the first one story-wise like it just has to but one of the flaws with it is if you're not into superhero movies and I don't mean this to be in a rude way, but if you're not American, it might be a bit of a tough one to kind of stomach a little bit at first because, as mm. I said, as we said with the Independence Day, there's so much like American exceptionalism in this about and that kind of good guy America and Uncle Sam wants you and we're in the war and we're going to kill Hitler and we're this and we're that, you know. But if you approach it with like, okay, it's going to be, there's these these themes are all going to be there. It's Captain America after all. It's a yeah. little bit easier to take. But I think what's what's kind of a good thing to consider with this as well is like this character was first introduced in comic books in 1941 during World of War course. II. Of course. So yeah. like it yeah. makes me have a slightly different approach to how I think about it because mm. it was created for a reason during a really terrible time. And it was the idea that someone that pure and good can bring some kind of lightness and joy to people at a, at a like during the war. And... That's where the character became quite popular. Yeah, and actually, uh, you're saying so many things that's making me. Firstly, to your point about about World War Two superheroes being created, and I know there's a historical context to that. Um, in fact, I'm going to add in there that that um, Captain America, as well as other uh, iconic superheroes, were invented by largely mm. by Jewish people superheroes after uh, and during World War II um, as figures there to save um, yeah. their allies um, from the Nazis. Part of uh, Jewish people in America, a big part of that is the creation of this entire genre. Um, and, and, and to the other point about American exceptionalism, I would add that this movie has a lot of, and on purpose, I'm sure, for its time, the glorification of military. Yeah. But, you know, war is hell and being in war is hell. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, definitely if you're watching it um, 
now those things might be a little bit troubling or difficult yeah. to stomach. I definitely think, but taking things, taking context into account is really, really important, I think, when you yeah. watch movies. But it yeah. has to be good. The movie has to be good. Yeah. No matter what, it has to be good and has to entertain you. Well, so as we move forward, we'll be moving out of the 40s and into uh, later, more more recent more recent time periods and we'll see how it changes then but for now we are starting with the origin story for captain america and good old chris mm-hmm. evans himself tiny chris evans yeah tiny chris evans I know. every time they every time you saw him he just got a smaller and smaller <laughs> i had to do i had to do my research on tiny chris evans because i loved it yeah. this was actually like when i go to the tennis sometimes I might not necessarily enjoy the game, but I'll like watch the spider cam, for example, intensely and try to figure out what the fuck it's doing and how it gets oh made because I'm so fascinated. So I was really fascinated by Tiny Chris Evans. Yeah. So I had to figure out how the how they did it. Mm. It was a company called Lola VFX. Right. Lola VFX does all this top secret work to make apparently some very big name stars look a little bit better. But they they do most of their stuff is just 2D compositing actually. It's yeah. very simple stuff. They use the 2D shots. Okay. Can I talk for a bit about this? Tiny yeah, Persephone, absolutely. How yeah, they did go it? for it. Okay. It's a combination of of th- of three different things. Number 1, they had a body double. Yes. Okay? That was they the Leandadini. Leandadini who's actually a trained stage actor, yeah. random. Number two, a digital head replacement. Yes. Um, f- face projection. Okay. And then number three, to sh- to shrink and scale the actor. Yeah. Uh, with no green screens, so they a two D scale of Chris Evans was whatever. Okay. Yeah. But there are all these like fun, interesting complications they had when they were doing it. For okay. example. To, sc- to scale down Chris Evans, his body will become much sharper and have much less grain. So they would shrink him, um, and but it would not be grainy like the other people that were shot in the film. So oh. obviously, like, I'm saying much higher resolution because right. you're shrinking something all the way down. So they had to add grain oh. onto his skin to make him look like more akin to the other actors, okay? Right. Here's another one. Of course, when they're doing a film like this, everybody is lit very dramatically. Mm. So there's a lot of shadowing there. So Chris Evans, when they shrunk him down, his muscles, as we know, he has big muscles. Mm -hmm. They create a lot of shadow, right? Yeah. So when they shrunk his body down to 2D, the shadows were all in the wrong place <laughs> because he, because baby Chris Evans doesn't yeah. have any shadow. Yeah. So his chest pectorials, for example, didn't cast, shouldn't be casting shadows when they shrink him Amazing. down. So they had to like de-shadow his abdomens and his muscles. Yeah. Okay. Here's another thing, right? Sometimes, this is really funny. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Chris Evans sometimes had to walk around on his knees. Ah. Uh, in some of the shots. Really? He was on his knees. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Here's another one. Chris Evans' facial hair. Okay. So 
He would shave, but because he's so manly, he would have a five o'clock <laughs> shadow all the time. So they had to remove. So when they did Tony Chris when they shrunk him down, they removed oh. his facial hair because he's just so much man that Chris Evans always has a five o'clock shadow. Oh my god! So then God. they had to like they remove the five o'clock shadow, and then they decided he looked like a baby. So they added forty percent back in five o'clock oh. shadow. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I don't know why I love that so much, but I just loved it. I loved it. Oh, can I and say he's something? He's so the- massive. Yeah, yeah. Can I say, I'm saying it, he's so massive. Can I say something about Leandro Dini? Because I read a cute thing that um, Hayley Atwell said about him where yeah. she said that he was just so impressive because he would watch and study Chris Evans in the scenes so that when he was then doing the body double stuff, he would make sure that he had every little gesture and movement down mm. to a T so that he could Good really mimic. Him. Yeah. I thought that was really Good cool. Do you know what we're describing here? What? Movie magic. Yes, it is it's movie, movie magic. magic. I and that's I think what I'm connecting to here is is there's some movie magic here. Yeah, I love old fashioned special effects. It yeah. sounds like it would be a really fun job. Yes. Do you know what else I love? Puppetry. I love when movies mm. use puppets instead of CGI as well. Yeah, yeah. fuck CGI. <laughs> yeah. I love I love this Leander doing his doing his thing. Yeah. You know? Studying cool. the gestures, doing, doing his old thing. Good for him. Good for um, him. Doing my thing. And speaking of experiences yeah. uh, with movies, now we know that this one was a maybe a slight struggle for you, but I appreciate you going on this journey with me. And as we go through this journey, <laughs> I'm sure there'll be many thoughts that you have when we discuss tropes. So <laughs> shall we move into our trope of the week and you can tell me what your first Marvel trope is? This was a hard one. Okay. <laughs> it was hard to pick a trope, but I've got one. Is it because there really was so one. many, or is it because it's actually not that tropey? So many. I thought it was just not that tropey. <laughs> so many tropes. All right, okay, okay, go on. Go on, what did you pick? You ready? Tell me your choice. I want to, I just, before I say that, I really like the trope section of this podcast because I'm really getting into it i'm getting more and more into finding good tropes right cool (laughs) okay researching tropes okay yeah this is called the secret test of character trope Uh. (laughs) (laughs) when a character is undertaking a challenge of courage or strength seemingly seems to be courage or skill for a prize but actually it's a test of character that's my trope (laughs) And I'm referring to, of course. No, no, no. I wasn't actually referring to the grenade scene. I was referring to the flag. The grenade is like a close. The grenade, that's a whole trope in and of itself. But yeah, the fact that they (laughs) threw out a grenade for somebody to jump on it is sadistic. Absolutely sadistic. It was a dummy grenade. I know, but they're like, but no, the flag, the flag, when they're like, you boys, this is a halfway mark. First guy gets the flag, gets a rifle, the rest of it. No one has ever got that flag. And they're all like, ah, ah, ah. And then. All right. Sorry. Whoa. Whoa. That sounds very different coming through the headphones. Just, you know. <laughs> not not what the you pop were filter. Of yeah. course. <laughs> Tiny Chris Evans just knocks the flagpole down because I guess what what, what did it show about him? That he's. Uh, smart. Smart. Happy yeah. to. Happy to happy to topple a pole um it just reminded me of um will smith in uh men in black 
Uh, oh, yeah. Best of the best yes. of the best, sir. With honors. When he drags the, when he drags the table. Well, and, I guess that's yeah. the point, is it? Like, do you blindly follow orders or do you think about the order that you've been given, make an assessment and then, you know? Yeah, so in, in the secret test of ta- character trope, the, you always go back to the wording of the challenge and the answer will always be in the wording of the challenge. Um, and I think that we interpret it liberally as well of what yeah. was the test actually for. Okay. What was your trope? My trope. So I don't know what the yeah I I know where you're coming from with the um research because I did I did try to research like tropes in terms of like try and come up with what the actual wording for it would be, and um I didn't mm. find the specific wording you might know it, so I just went with the it's the good guy gets caught in a compromising situation that wasn't his fault and leads to a misunderstanding with the girl he really likes. <laughs> I just I hate it I hate it but I will I say I hate it too I hate it I, I, I do want to say hi Natalie Dormer I love you you're fucking amazing and I just like love that Natalie she was Dormer. just like had a little like cameo in it before mm. like before she would have been in Game of Thrones and stuff have you seen Picnic at Hanna- uh, have you seen Picnic at Hanging Rock of course wait unless there was a more, more recent version of it the the one that not they, from in the last two years Oh no! They did like I think it's like a six-part series, and it's Natalie Dormer. <gasps> you have oh, to watch it. It's so good. <laughs> I watched the entire thing on a flight from Australia to the UK. I watched the whole <gasps> thing in rock. one sitting. It's really good. Okay, watch it. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because of Natalie Dormer. But anyway, my trope. Yes, I just it drives me crazy because totally. it's so unnecessary. So like just this kind of like. It's this proper, you know, he's, he's now he's like the big buff Captain America, but he's still the dorky little nerdy guy who doesn't really get it. And then it's like, oh, girl, yeah, girl touching me. No, but girl, I like. No, but I didn't. But ah! <laughs> it's just like, oh. But also, he doesn't owe her anything. That's that's the part about that, that I was like, you yeah. don't owe her anything. You just you just exchanged some glances <laughs> with her and and and. Another thing is that in movies, often people can just just explain yeah. yourself. People tend to not know how to explain That's themselves in movies. That's what drives me crazy about this stuff. Yeah, they're like, oh, e, oh, e, ooh, ah, I forgot yeah. my words. It's this. Yeah. I I am so tired of stories that use that, and then we have yeah. to go through the whole fucking thing, and you're just like, oh <laughs> god, just talk to each other. Open your mouths and talk to each other. I know. People don't know how to talk in movies. It's so interesting. People and people lie just all the time. Yeah. That you're just creating conflict out of thin air. Um <laughs> Well But you know, this is if that, unrelatable. If that was the point that you felt like movies are stupid, then maybe we should start talking about the science. <laughs> science. It's science yeah. time. Right. Okay. Look, before we go into the science itself, let's just talk over how they use science. And I'm going to split it between two different groups. We're going to talk about the the good guys and the bad guys. So, do you want okay. good guys or bad guys first? We go bad guys. We start with bad guys. Yeah. Okay. It started with the bad guys, so let's do the bad guys. Yeah. We've got the bad so The bad guys are this division called Hydra. Now, in the movie, it's it's depicted as like a offshoot of the Nazis. In the comic books and the original stories, it's actually an entirely separate organization and there's just some Nazis are a part of it. 
But the whole yeah. point of them is they are working on using the Tesseract to create new weapons that will allow them to take over the world. Classic evil genius we've got going on here. Uh, we've got Johann Schmidt, Hugo Weaving, as the head of the science division. And then, like, out of fucking nowhere, Toby Jones rocks up as Arnim Zola, the right-hand man and the guy who actually does all of the science work classic, you know. But he can't get rid of him because he does he does everything. Exactly. He can't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> so in this whole environment, we've got like the, I mean, they're very much set up as the bad guys because they're the Nazis. But, you know, it's very like harsh and the rigid evil dudes and futuristic-y and cold lighting and harsh labs and all that kind of stuff. And um, what did you think of our bad guys? I don't know where to begin because his they're a great little villain team. I like yeah. the little team of the villain with the scurrying kind of like lab person who does all the work. And yes, mein Führer, yes, mein Führer or whatever. Yeah. And and then this kind of like conniving Nazi villain. Like he's a fantastic villain. Um, right. I thought that their their whole science thing, it was just like – Super sleek and shiny and always working absolutely perfectly. Yeah. Considering Absolutely. where they That's were. How science works, in the, right? In the fo- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's perfectly working. I have uh, tell me what you thought. Well can you, you start what talking? I, what I liked what I what I liked about it was I liked it was that very kind of like PI an employee vibe. Do you know? <laughs> But it was. It was like, this is my vision and this is what I want to do. And I've gotten you the equipment to do it. But now just you just do it. Just do it. You do it. Yeah, you go, 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 minion. Make, make, make science, make things. They do things. And then, um, and he does. But like, what I did kind of enjoy weirdly about it was it's a slightly different take on the bad guy. The bad guy, he has a vision, Mm. but his vision doesn't mean kill everybody. His vision is like, it's a bit mad scientist. It's a bit mad leader. Um, But I just, I don't know. I enjoyed that part of it. I enjoy them as a duo. Did you have anything else you want to say about the bad guys? I I have, yes, I have things, but they apply for both. So I I want to say, I've got two things to say. And I will say that after we're talking about both. Okay, so so the next up then we have our The Good Guys, where (laughs) we have Abraham Erskine, Stanley Tucci, working for the Allies, creating the Super Soldier Serum, and setting up Project Rebirth with Colonel Phillips. So... Yeah. Um I kind of like the idea of this with like the science duos. You talked about this before in a last movie. Uh not the last movie. What movie did we talk about it where you said about the um Oh, it was Geostorm. Yeah. Geostorm. Yeah, the Geostorm. one who can, the one who does science the talking partners. and the one who does the science. And I kind of Yeah. I liked the idea of the, you know, the Stanley Tucci Tommy Lee duo as that mm-hmm. like Tommy Lee's the like I I did all the work to get this fucking project up and running, man. You got to do I'm the, the producer. Science. You're the director. Yeah. And yeah. then, um, so it's a similar thing, kind of contrasting thing to the um, the Red Skull Zola. But then on yeah, the good definitely. guy side, we also have the introduction of Howard Stark as the engineer mm. who's working with new metals and radiation and contributing to the way that the serum is administered. So, um, and the whole vibe of the, the good guys, for me, I couldn't help but I'm like that whole good guy lab thing when they're doing the experiment 
the, like the colors and the muted tones and it's more warming and all i can think is like doctor who the whole way through i'm like it's doctor who it's just doctor who <laughs> but there is a nice they do make that effort to make that big contrast between the two environments yeah. and stuff what did um, you think what's of the good Stark's, guys what's the stark's first name again howard stark howard yeah. howard I liked Howard Stark because he wasn't such a dickhead as his son, Tony Stark. <laughs> I liked that he wasn't a fucking schmuck. Tony Stark <laughs> is a huge schmuck and Howard Stark was it. I liked him. He just seemed like a good guy and he's an engineer with ideas and stuff. And I just liked his presence. I liked yeah. him. I don't I don't like Tony Stark. I think he's rude. I think he's mean. He's a bit too into himself. You haven't guy, watched them guy. yet. You can't say that. <laughs> right. I haven't watched it. No, I liked Howard Stark. I liked him a lot. He, 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 he just seemed like he was super helpful. Obviously, he didn't have much of a role, so he, he wasn't, you know, he was just yeah. around. No, I, I liked him, though. I hear what you're saying about I Tony Stark, glasses. but again, that's going to be a thing where, like, I'll be interested to see what you think about, like, a character arc as it kind of goes through multiple movies, you know, and stuff. So that'll yeah. be cool. And Howard Stark yeah. will reappear but he'll reappear with different actors because at different times in his life as well so that's going to be interesting too but i do like the oh, dominic yeah. cooper young howard stark oh that's who that was yeah i liked him i liked him yeah he was cool stanley tucci as <laughs> i mean i can i can, can, well i just it's just really distracting they're all running around with fake german accents well so this it's is just really an interesting thing right <laughs> I read something about Stanley Tucci that said that he basically took the role so he could practice his German accent. Tucci sounded like Bruno, Sasha Baron Cohen's Bruno. Yeah, good. He reminded me of myself when I was in Berlin and that every time I tried to talk German, I'd also change my entire personality for some weird reason. I'd be like, hello. And now that I think about it, I'd be like, Gibt es das Bretzel? <laughs> it reminds me actually of the worm in A Bug's Life as well. That yeah. like caterpillar. Oh, I'm a little caterpillar. It's so, it's so crazy. But Hugo Weaving, I want to say it's amazing how he completely changed the way he moved words around his mouth. I looked at, firstly, his accent is exactly, he's imitating Werner Herzog. Okay, okay. I don't know who Werner Herzog Werner is. Herzog, he's a, he's a director, actor, filmmaker, like, but he also, I don't know if you've seen The Mandalorian, but he plays mm. the guy who hires The Mandalorian to get Baby Yoda. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, he's, Hugo Weaving completely changed like Stanley Tucci still sound like Stanley Tucci and every now and then his real accent comes out, his voice comes out, if you will. Hmm. Hugo Evans, in, he, the way he moved his mouth and the, the, the position in his mouth where the words came from was changed. If you look at Captain America like a whole lot of fun and it's very campy, then it changes your opinion. And there's, there's another thing about the scientist that applies to both of them that I just want to put in here. Okay. Yeah. So every measurement that any of them yell out is in percent. <laughs> okay? Oh. All the all the all the um the meters are in percent. Percentimeters. That's they're all percent. 
There's okay. no units of measure mentioned by anybody. It's all only percent. So I didn't even think I noticed I didn't that immediately. Every time they zoom in on a meter, it's the unit is percent. Okay. <laughs> and then they, they each have a scene <laughs> where they're each having to yell out the amount of percent. Yeah. <laughs> and and the German one is like ten percent. Twenty percent, forty percent, leveling off at seventy percent, and then there's a similar scene where they like, yeah. pump up Captain America and Howard Stark is like twenty percent, forty percent, sixty percent, and add to that even. And there's a point earlier where Stanley Tucci goes to him, "How are your levels?" And he goes, "One hundred percent." The whole movie. <laughs> They only use percent as a unit of measure at any point in the entire movie. Um, I don't have a judgment about that. It's, uh, just... it's because Americans haven't started using the metric system yet. So the Thank only you. universal <laughs> measurement is percent. Percent. Would you ever have a percentometer? Would a meter? In my mind, a meter is an absolute measure of something. Percent of what? It's a meter. It's absolute. It's absolute measures. It's not percent. It's like, what? why is this movie, everything is in percent? Explain it to me. And why am I noticing this? Why is this irking me so much? Quantity. Uh, there's a quantity, and that's how much of the quantity <laughs> they've gone through. <laughs> they have this many vita rays, and they're almost at that many. So it's yeah. it's, it's like a, the meter is already like, yeah. normalized. There's a canister with an exact <laughs> amount of vita rays. It's it's weird to have your meter normalized, oh, in my God. opinion. Yeah. Well, that's those were my comments about the scientists okay. and, and their whole shebang. <laughs> well, yeah. I bringing it a little bit more into a bit more of a realism realm as you're doing with them, with the measurements. I was actually really interested in the role of the scientists on both sides during World War Two itself, because it was oh. a time when pseudoscience and creating super soldiers would have been like an actually really prominent idea. And in terms mm -hmm. of the Nazi party, I found some information on the Annenerb. I have no idea how to say that word. Like no idea. So I'm just, <laughs> just going to go with Annenerb. Um, it's a group that was founded under Heinrich Himmler, that piece of shit, and was a division under the um, Schutzstaffel, the SS, it was made up of a range of academics from different disciplines designed to promote propaganda, but also to operate like as a think tank and work on pseudoscientific research. Basically, they tried to use science to study archaeology, anthropology, history, like biology, even music, just to try to rewrite history and human development in order to give some warped version that would support Hitler's ideas. So I kind of just see where the movie is coming from with pulling these scientists out of like you've got that kind mm. of madcap idea of pseudoscience in the Nazi party of like we can just warp everything to our own end mm -hmm. and then on the allied side um, you've got this thing called Operation Paperclip and Operation Paperclip actually happened like it was more at the end of World War Two. But basically what they did was they used Nazi scientists in the US. Uh, like there was 1,600 scientists were recruited by spies, shielded from prosecution and given safe passage to the US in order to be able to continue their work. Oh. 
And there's like a his. So it's just a really interesting kind of thing. So I, I see then where the concept of Erskine comes from, like that, you know, he was a Nazi scientist, even though opposed to the Nazi party and, and forced to be, you know, as many, I'm sure many people were. Um, yeah. And then kind of liberated. But there was definitely scientists that were for the Nazi party that were then given, you know, um, mm given safe passage and yeah allowed Mm. to continue their experiments and it brought up this really interesting thing about ethics because there's like a a history of really really terrible experiments being conducted in absolutely horrendous ways throughout the world in lots of different circumstances and then there's this big ethics question about what do you do with the results of these experiments Mm. because you say like this is a bad thing that shouldn't have happened but do you take the learning from it and use it or do you just ignore the learning? I just thought that was an interesting point. There's an article about it um, that I'm going to that I'll link to in the show notes. But uh, mm. yeah, I mean, this is the original cancel culture. Oh, fucking cancel. <laughs> when people <Yeah. laughs> talk about cancel culture being fairly recent, I'm like, oh, uh, no, we canceled Nazi science. Yeah, <laughs> that science is canceled. I don't care. You're canceled. Well, because you're well, Nazis. Thing. Yeah, but that's the that's thing. There's so much shit that's done. And it wasn't just Nazis. There's a bunch of stuff as well. Like it's like indigenous tribes and like rural yeah. areas and, yeah. and in Africa. And people are like, oh, yeah, we'll just we'll just do it over there. Because if they die, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And you're like, no, cancel that shit. This is, yeah, this is really fucked. It is interesting. And it's very much worth learning about understanding the history in the 20th century. And and the role of science in a lot of these things, I do. I think I want to make also a, one comment about it broadly, which is that I the the, the World War Two was was fought and won through science, yes. the race to build whether it was the bomb, um, but science was like this crazy thing that was part of the fight, was everyone advancing the technology as quickly as possible and if you fast forward and that was I mean that's wartime and terrible time but when you fast forward till today we're not on those ideological fronts you know those we're not on those battle fronts fighting with science like they Mm. did in the middle of the 20th century where science was at the front of all the great civilizations we are societies driven by technology driven by reason driven by logic driven by advancing our understanding of the world around us we're not like that anymore i'd actually think that throughout the decades after world war ii we slipped away Mm. from being driven by science and technology and understanding to being driven by commerce and money and finance yeah yeah i I agree with you (laughs) nazis Um, right so shall we move on from the scientists Mm -hmm. and move into the science itself science Mm -hmm. okay so let's get into some uh science yeah all right we'll just keep saying science that's it that's it podcast over um right so There are many things between the technology and the transition itself that we could talk about. We've got laser cutters, levitating cars, disintegrating (sighs) weapons, special metals, flamethrowers, death by helicopter blade, gravity-defying fight scenes. But I, of course, want to focus on Cap himself and research into super soldiers. So before we get into that, let's start off with a bit of a nod to Hydra and the Tesseract. 
Um, we're not yeah. going to. And you've got some stuff you want to say about the Tesseract, so we'll get we'll we'll go to that because I'm not going to get too involved with Tesseract just yet. Marvel fans out okay. there will know this mysterious object will come back and feature heavily in future movies. But it's our first introduction to this energy form that allows Hydra to become so powerful. So what I can say about it is it's a form of energy that can be harnessed and in the scope of this movie it's converted into directed energy like a high-powered advanced laser weapon. I did not get deep about this. Yeah, okay. Because, and and is because um, they had some mysterious alien substance that was able to do anything and allow them to do any technology and be the most advanced society and make sure everything worked perfectly all the time. It's just this villain that can do anything and has accomplished science and uses science to do anything and is capable of everything and they're all powerful and there's no way I can really, but you're going to, but you're going to. I was going to say, can I really look into this too deeply to explain this all so it makes sense? And I know you're going to. So here I am, Abby. But here I am. But I'm not right now. Okay. Because I'm not. Because <laughs> not like right. I said, Tess- You'll do it. I will in the future. But Tesseract is... You'll do it later. Tesseract is an introduction in this movie. Same as Vibranium. Okay. Like with, okay. Um, with Cap's shield. It's an introduction it's in this movie. It's a link to the future. And it's something we can talk about more in the future. So I'm going to hold back on it for okay. now. All right. But I'll trust you. I don't think Super that it soldiers. is any more ridiculous than the science that we get in, um, in Spectral. Or no, like, I, yeah. I, as I was talking, I was thinking of spectral. Yeah, actually, exactly. I, I yeah. could We've tell. got this one minor. We have a little breakthrough, and we've adapted it to this, that, yeah. this, and that, and it does this, and it does that, and does this, and it just makes yeah. us bleh. It's the same. Yeah. But then, even with a movie that we like had good respect for, Sunshine, it's the same. It's just this idea yeah. that it's like, hey, we can make this big thing, and it's just going to fix everything. And it's like, okay, yeah, we've cool. Done everything. It's, it's not how science works, but awesome. Yeah, you know? because if movies were really about science, people no one would see it. <laughs> it would last the movie would last six years <laughs> with semi-reproducible results. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so leaving all of that alone aside for now, um, as as we mentioned, Tesseract and Vibranium shall return in the future. Um, they will be back. But right now, um, let's get a bit more into what was going on in in the 40s and then what the movie is doing with it. So back in the 40s, the war is tearing the world apart and the idea of a super soldier was very different. Or rather, how you would achieve it using chemicals was very similar, but the science and the tech didn't exist to bring it to the level portrayed in Captain America comics. So before we get to really? the serum in the movie, let's talk for a bit about what they did actually do during World War II to create their version of super soldiers. Because what they did do was try to find ways to make soldiers more functional. And that's not the right word. Because they couldn't magically make them stronger or faster, but they could pump them full of drugs that would keep them awake, make them able to march yes. further distances, and also help with dulling the effects of shell shock. So... Nazi troops were uh, commonly given uh, the methamphetamine pervitin, 
while the Allied troops were given the amphetamine benzedrine. And Mm -hmm. I just found this really interesting. And I had a look at what the difference between amphetamine and methamphetamine was just because I had no idea. And it was I was like, oh, why are they giving two different ones? But basically, they're both psychostimulants. And aside from increasing the dopamine and providing like a euphoric feeling, both of the drugs can increase your energy and ability to focus. So it helps to keep you awake. But the problem is that they're also super, super terrible for your body. Don't do it. The main difference is that meth has a stronger effect and a faster onset time. So it seems that like to be the main reason why we hear about meth more often is because you get higher faster and people will just go for that one over the amphetamine. Don't do it. Um, I read an article that suggests that the US military is still experimenting with stimulants to keep soldiers awake, but also that they're starting to look towards other like anti-sleep methods, which... I, I'm not even going to get into this, but I thought this was all transcranial magnetic stimulation. So like zapping the brain with electromagnetism <laughs> to keep them awake. I was just like, fuck, it's fucking bonkers, right? But there's other like, just to give a brief, and we chat about it in a second. Just, just one more thing to say about this, because there were other experiments going on in World War Two. There was like just some bonkers ones related to boosting vitamin A absorption to improve night vision, right? Like the Japanese fed their pilots um, a preparation that boosted absorption, which apparently improved their night vision by 100%. Like, really? Like, really? Really? That really? Really? Yeah. Where are the results for this, please? I want to see. Um, Percent. 100%. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Um, And apparently the US Navy fed volunteers supplements made from the livers of walleye pikes. And the volunteers' vision began changing over several months to extend to the infrared region. And this is something to do with like vitamin A and light sensitivity. And to no. me, it just smells like bullshit. It just smells like full bullshit, right? Bullshit. Yeah. Um. So I just, I don't know. And then we've also got the bit in the movie as well about like the the suicide and the cyanide capsules. Um. But <gasps> this, but yeah. So it's a mo- It's such a movie thing. But it, is it a real thing? Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, yeah? All absolutely. The drugs, you know, I, I actually didn't pick up on the whole Nazis using drugs because I, I kind of knew about that. And there's a book that I've been wanting to read for ages and maybe I'll finally sit and read it called Blitzed. Okay. But as we were doing the podcast, I was like, that's right. The Nazis pumped them. The, all the SS soldiers were pumped with drugs. Yeah. Yes. I I, I didn't know this, crazy. but this is why so many people came home with, you know, such problems and stuff because then they've also got a fucking drug habit and... You know, you've been dulling the shell shock, so it's not really like none of it is really resonating. So you then you have all of these vets who are just like screwed up. The, the Nazis, Doctor Fritz Hauschild, right, developed a wonder drug called methyl as his is pervitin. Yeah, pervitin. Yeah, that's the one. That's pervitin. the methamphetamine that they yeah they were giving them pervitin. Yeah, I'm just like it's it's wild, but the cyanide poisoning thing. First, I I knew that um, cyanide poisoning was was a thing because Hitler killed himself with cyanide. Oh yeah, and um and his girlfriend as well. Well, he shot himself, um but a bunch of uh, Himmler committed suicide when he was caught by the British army with cyanide. Oh, okay, and Goering as well. Goering was 
somehow snuck a side eye pill. I don't know where he had yeah. it, but he swallowed it and he was found dead in his cell as well. So major, major Nazis committed suicide with cyanide as well. Um, but what I was really interested about was that it seemed to be in his tooth. It was yeah, a fake tooth, right? was it not? Yeah. yeah. And he, he sort of crunched it and, and swallowed it. And I thought, would it? What if he ate an apple? Right. Wouldn't it? That's bullshit. He <laughs> just popped no, it it's out not with his bullshit. tongue. Isn't it? It's not bullshit. Oh, my God. It, the pills were developed by British and American secret services. Oh, okay. During World War II. So there were, it was a pea-sized tablet and, and agents that had missions behind enemy lines had them. Yeah. They were filled with potassium cyanide and they were hidden inside a fake tooth, which had to be crushed in order to digest it. So in case they accidentally swallowed it, it would just go through the body, wouldn't harm them. Wow. Fascinating. That's really terrifying. Yeah, it is terrifying. That's really interesting. It's real. It It is. It takes about 15 minutes to die that that guy died. Uh, pretty quickly, but yeah. I mean, who cares about that's just yeah, like that's, a movie. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. Not everything has to be accurate, but no, I, <laughs> I was. Need to be I, for the movie. <laughs> I saw that, and I was like, surely not. Yeah, and it, it's true. It's true. Oh, it's such a nice little surprise. Major yeah. <laughs> surprise! <laughs> it's your birthday, and cyanide is in teeth. But I guess in the movie, he pops that cyanide capsule to escape having to fight the newly formed super soldier. When he comes out of the machine and there, the women are like, <laughs> yeah, the women are like, mm, Damn. are you all right? Uh, here. So, right. OK, well, then let's let's get to this. This is this is the big this is the big juicy piece. So let's get to our super soldier, Captain America. So the quote is. We begin with a series of micro-injections into the subject's major muscle groups. The serum infusion will cause immediate cellular change. And then, to stimulate growth, the subject will be saturated with Vita rays. Now, what's your reaction to those sentences? Vita rays, my favourite breakfast cereal. But in general, the concept Um, of it, what's your reaction? Injecting something into the muscles... (sighs) I don't know. What do you want from me? I mean, it's silly. Well, no, this is, this is the thing. Surprisingly, it is not that crazy. Ah, what's Vita Rays? Ah, I'm gonna no. So Vita Rays, forget the Vita Rays. <laughs> Vita Rays are made up. Injecting things into Vita muscles. Like Vita Rays are um, an idea that potentially might come up again. I'm not really sure how how prominent they are in the future, but it's. They're an I they're a fake idea of another like another part of the electromagnetic spectrum, like this this ray oh, this kind of undiscovered oh, part ray, okay. of the electromagnetic spectrum. So it's a type of radiation, mm. but it's just a type of radiation that will do like certain specific things. Okay, and, and then that'll feed back towards like um, metals and things like that. But on a, it's just a on a cellular level is a big movie speak yeah. thing on a cellular level yeah but putting that aside injecting lots of i loved all the teeny teeny injections yeah. all over the muscles but tell me more so tell me more this Abby. is the thing right maybe in the 40s it was a bit mad right but not now and what's kind of wonderful about this is that this is another case of art leading science 
Because in 1941, the idea of creating a super soldier was like a pseudoscience that existed mostly in sci-fi. Or where they were making the Mm -hmm. attempts, like we said, using the amphetamines to keep the soldiers awake. But now, our advancements in science and engineering has moved CAP from pseudoscience into something very real and that is potentially achievable. Because the idea for CAP is that it has to be based on gene therapy. Now, it can't be the administration of a chemical like a steroid because that would only provide like a temporary change and the chemical will eventually leave your body. So for him to become a super soldier the way he has, he has to have a fit, like a permanent physical change. So this would come from a cocktail of chemicals that are fundamentally changing his body and it would likely be doing this by changing his genetic code. Can it be done is the question. And there is an entire area of research epigenetic modification we can identify genes in our base makeup that are involved in muscle mass and things like oxygen carrying load in cells so not only can they be identified they can also be turned on and off so researchers and companies out there have designed and are designing genome editing tools that can target specific genes and then epigenetically modify them for example myostatin is the protein that controls the size of your muscle growth if you suppress this gene then your body doesn't stop your muscles from growing and you can get super buff now they're still within reason because there's a maximum size your muscles can get to and it is regulated by your body so you won't go like they're not going to explode out of your skin you just get crazy jacked and it's actually an active area of research particularly for people with like uh, degenerative muscle disease And according to an article that I read from a few years ago, there's tests have been conducted on animals that took effect within like six weeks. So it's not activation speed Captain America, but it's like it is a thing that has happened, can be done. And you can find pictures of like these animals online where the myostatin is suppressed in their body. And they're just look, I'll put a picture on Instagram. It's like it's a there's a buff cow or a buff bull or something like that. And it's crazy. Um, oh my god oh my god the method that they use uses this idea of like a gutted virus so like you hollow out a virus cell i don't know if cell is the right virus so you hollow it out you put some genetically engineered dna into the vessel you inject it into the body and then allow it to reproduce and reprogram the cells and alter the genes and it's not just myostatin There are other genes that you could potentially tweak, allowing you to increase speed, stamina, and even potentially intelligence. There's actually research where they transplanted human glia cells into mice and they got like they pretty much just got smarter. So the idea is that if you can upgrade the glial cells or strengthen the neurons in the brain, then you could improve the speed of brain function and the capacity for memory. So smarter. And also, in a nod back to our Scream minisode and regeneration as a superpower, if you can identify the like how to promote cell regeneration like they do in salamanders, then you could program super healing so no more hangovers or just being drunk. But what's really interesting is that where the movie uses Vitarays, Vitarays <laughs> to activate the chemicals is actually for real ties into an area of pharmacotherapy. I have to say this word. Into a real area of pharmacotherapy you use dendimers which are photosensitive to carry drugs and then when you hit them with uv rays they open up releasing what they're carrying into the surrounding tissue so you can in theory have a nano carrier with a gene editing tool inside and then zap it with your vita rays to release the magic juice so 
back. While Geostorm gave us tech that is thousands of years away, Captain America gives us something that could be achievable in the next 20 years. Hey. How do you like that's, them apples? Uh, that's terrifying. <laughs> um, octopus can grow back legs, yeah. tentacles, legs. I'm an idiot. It makes me rethink, like, our opinion about regeneration because other animals do it, no issue. Yeah. Grow back. They just, we grow back nails, we grow hair. How about a limb? Right? And we do have cell regeneration. I I mean, like, we have have healing. We, like, that's something we can do. It's just the speeds that we see it in in things like these movies and stuff. It's like we have, we can't do it that fast. No, for some reason, when we cut a hand off, we just you grow your skin just grows over the stump. Yeah, does it? Probably. Yeah, I, have, I don't know. It's never happened yeah, to me. Yeah, we can't. We can't. God, that's fascinating. The, oh yeah, I don't know what the right word yeah. is, but the way salamanders will just regrow their limb. Yeah, I know gene therapy is. I mean, I used to work on a gene therapy project, which which because in cystic fibrosis, the issue is is a, is a mutation in the CFTR gene which is supposed to clear mucus and it overproduces mucus instead. And so the people that I was working with were using genetic therapy in order to like change that expression of the gene. Yeah. Okay. Introduce a corrected gene and it's happening all the time everywhere. Yeah. Um, Gene therapy is. And, it's very interesting what you're saying because because when you started talking, I was like, yeah, but like, would it be a permanent thing? Would it just give temporary effects? And then I was like, oh my god, altering actual genes? No. And what about the CRISPR? You know the CRISPR yeah, thing. Yeah, that was so. I read I read a, yeah. that kept coming up and on the research I was doing, but I just didn't go so far as to actually read up on CRISPR too much, to be honest. That, it's pretty creepy. People doing it themselves. Fascinating stuff. Right? I know. Isn't Fine. it kind of cool how Fine. something that you just think is completely <laughs> bonkers and then it's like, oh, no, that's 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 a thing. It's just so tropey. It's just one of those things that's done so many times. So you're so used to dismissing it and then maybe people make the movie and they do a little bit of a different take on it. They use different language. They try to make it a little bit more scientific or more realistic and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. We're just used to react like we're used to that regeneration, cellular regeneration. But you're right. It is very much about it might happen, but the speed that it happens and all these sorts of details and the success of it. Exactly. Is the thing which the movie gets carried away about. Yeah. Classic. In and a, it doesn't in make a, us like all... It's not a sci-fi movie, but it's classic in a sci-fi movie idea that like we'll take this idea, but we're just going to make it a bit faster. Yeah. And you won't end up as handsome as Chris Evans. No. I don't think that's going to happen. You'd probably have bulging veins and like red face. You know, you'd probably look closer to Hugo Weaving than end up as Chris Evans. You wouldn't come out. It's just this, just this picture of American goodness that is Chris Evans. I've been trying to get the picture of the of the cow that's uh, the cow that was born without myostatin, and I can't find it. To like, I can find it, but I was trying to send it to you. So I just want you to Google it now, please. I'm going to Google, Google it. cow without myostatin or just myostatin cow. 
Oh, okay, it comes up so quickly. Let me see. Oh! <laughs> Stop it. Poor baby. Jesus. But yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was super interesting anyway that this was like a thing um, that brought us cap and that this was a thing that I don't know how much information they would have had about this type of stuff in the 40s, but like that this idea came up and it's the same with like, and I've mentioned it before, it's the same with like the laser guns on um, Star Trek and things like that where it's like this idea that you're like, oh, I wonder if we could do this. And then scientists come along and go, hey. I wonder if we could do this. And then they're like, Maybe we, we can. can. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, I just think that I love it's, I love that connection between science and art. I think it's awesome. Yeah, that is. <laughs> it's cool. And it reminds me again, just to go back to Sasha Baron yeah. Cohen. And when he and it's actually when Ali G goes to Donald Trump and he like floats the idea of a hoverboard. He's, <laughs> he's like, you know, from Back to the Future. So we'll make it. That's my business yeah. idea. <laughs> this is the kind of science that. <sighs> It's like the science that's associated with greatness and like massive technological leaps. Yeah. Like, and yes, it's this whole thing that we can do it. It's something that seems completely plausible. But should we? It's just we're talking about whether you should actually genetically alter a person in order for them to be a like a more... Um, I don't even know the word, sorry. We're talking about like genetically altering a human being in order to create a more advanced soldier. Like, do we really want yeah. that? It's murky shit. <clears throat> no, me, for me, it's very clear. No. Yeah, no. It's, it's the science which just gets certain kind, like certain people excited and maybe is siphoning away way too much money from other areas of science. I think it's almost like landing on the moon and how important was that really for us and how much money has been put into that and continues to be put into that. And then there are so many starving people on earth and it's, it's just one of those things that is, it's, it's the science of great entertainment and it's the science of the future when we sort of dream about the future, but it's not, there's so many problems people are experiencing on earth. Yeah. Let's fix those problems. That's that's always my attitude about it. Like let's fix other things and and we'll dream to live in a a world where we're so free of problems that we can start dreaming about these incredible scientific yeah. advancements. Yeah. As as an academic who's underfunded constantly <laughs> I'm always thinking about it from that point of view, you know, <laughs> like give postdocs ongoing positions. How about that? And then we'll think about cloning. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And then there's a postdoc out there cl- doing cloning and they're like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> let hey. me do cloning. <laughs> exactly. I'll do cloning. Even though we're saying cloning, we need we need genetic modification. But yeah, um, Let's just but chuck yeah. In something stuff, yeah, exactly. things. So that's our first super soldier. Not our first super soldier. Sorry, it is our first super soldier, but it's our first superhero. So in our Marvel journey, our first superhero is Captain Rogers, Captain Steve Rogers, Captain America. All those words are correct. Uh, (laughs) Captain America as the super soldier made from the serum. So um, (coughs) we'll join up with 
uh, another superhero in the future. But for now, let's move on to our favorite bit of the show. Um, what is the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck, Frida? What was your what the fuck moment? <laughs> what was the fuck? <laughs> um, okay, this is so funny. So, when he goes and breaks into the hydro compound with a massive American flag on his back, he has his shield like on his back. <laughs> so, my what the fuck is come to America, quote, can you hear my finger quotes? Yes. Sneaking around with a massive American flag on his back. It killed me. That was so funny. He's like, hmm, sneaking in here. Sneak down there. Let me just scuttle down this corridor. And there's just like red and blue and white America on his back. Killed me. I didn't even think and of I it. Just, so funny. Well done. <laughs> That's my what the fuck is oh, hilarious. Yeah. Oh my what God. was yours? <laughs> um, mine, mine was uh, <laughs> when Skinny Steve Rogers goes into the machine, right? Yeah. And they close yeah. it all up and they do the, you know, like, I can take it. Experiment. Fight erase. Fight erase. <laughs> and he changes. And they open up the weird sarcophagus thing and he steps out. His pants fit him perfectly. Yeah. Why do his pants fit him? They fit him when he went in. He He didn't go in in bigger pants. They didn't know what size he was going to be. So he stepped out and his pants fit absolutely perfectly with a belt and everything. There wasn't a single tear. And I'm like, we're talking, this is the universe where we have Hulk. So like, don't tell me <laughs> that you don't understand what happens with clothes. Like, why? Because it would have killed us dead to see that. Obviously. <laughs> it, it was too in his contract. Much, yeah. Too I much, said the man. same thing as well. The, the shirt comes off yeah. just enough. Yeah. The pants just are zipped up like it's any other day. Yeah. It's just the fact that they didn't do any other sort of covering that you could just kind of go like, it doesn't matter. Or you could be like, oh, that's a bit smaller when it comes out. The fact that he's wearing belted trousers. And I appreciate that details, those details where they get those things right. It's like the old fashioned um, werewolves, you know, they just change. Yeah into a wolf with even though they have clothes and then back into a human with clothes. Yeah. I appreciate the more recent werewolf stuff where they have to strip naked, then become a werewolf and then get naked again and find their clothes. Yeah. I, I like that, those details. <laughs> so th- this thing, that was a bit yeah. of a what the fuck for me as well, I have to say. I had a few what the fucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, had to, I had really had to think very, very carefully, <laughs> but I'm happy with mine. Right. Yeah, yeah, got, I got gotcha. you. Okay. So, I agree. all right. So, into final final verdicts. Here we are. Here we are. Whoa! First question, as always. Um, <laughs> so, did the movie pass the Bechdel test? Obviously not. No, 
Yeah, no, it totally didn't. It didn't. So let's move on to um, did it pass? Here comes the science bit. Uh, um, I'm going to answer yes. I actually was going to answer yes as well because after listening to you talk, I didn't see why not. Yeah. I think that there, there's there's it's obviously a superhero movie. There's superpowers involved, and there's you know um, this mysterious substance which does this magical stuff, and so whatever I can put that in a certain box. But yeah, yeah. Other than that, I didn't see why not. Sure. Yeah. Let's give it a pass. Yeah. We're in agreement then. Yes. Pass. <laughs> and what's your final verdict? How many super soldier serums? I'm like, do you know what's funny that I'm I'm like trying very hard to be very supportive of this movie, <laughs> but I didn't enjoy it. Okay, because I just didn't. I just was like, this is so not my thing. Yeah. And I wonder if after watching many Marvels, whether I'll change mm. my mind. I think that's like that's okay though. You so know, I come have... in come in with honesty about it because there's definitely movies that as well for me. I'm like, that's not my thing. I'm not really into this. Yeah. What like what I can appreciate when work is put into something, whether I enjoy it or not. Yeah. But mark it mark it according to your your feeling on it. Like, you know, that's okay. Don't be generous for the sake of generosity. So I have to give it two and a half out of five. Wow, that's low. (laughs) We clearly digest entertainment differently. It's so weird. You're so right. It's just about the digesting because for me, Captain America is a solid four and a half. Oh, that's so amazing. Well, I love, I, love it. It. I love this movie. You know what? Any good film critic duo will have movies that polarize yeah. them this much. And I think it's going to be superhero films. I'm telling you, this is not my thing. Yeah. Bit more. Th- yeah. It was funny because it's actually body transformation. So if it was done in a style, like I would prefer it to 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 be a little bit more body horror that it was a little bit more the discomfort of being experimented on and maybe what it might have done to your body and then how you might be coping with yourself after that like that i'd love to see frida next week's episode uh next week's mini episode actually is halloween and then the week after we will have our main episode that will be coming out on halloween week so what movie (laughs) have you chosen for Halloween week. Cronenberg. <laughs> it's time for the fly. You see, it's time. That's the thing cuz you were just saying fly. about if, about if you if this movie had been about the horror of body morphology. <laughs> Talking of body horror, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum in a mullet. We need some more Jeff Goldblum in our lives. We need another dose of Jeff Goldblum. Here he comes. It's David Cronenberg's The Fly. I hate body horror so much. It's my worst possible thing that could ever happen in a movie. But sometimes I kind of like it. And I've never seen The Fly. You've never seen it. I've I've never seen it. I've seen it. I remember seeing it. And I remember being horrified by it and appalled and hating it and being like, oh my God, (laughs) this is the worst thing I've ever because I hate body horror. I don't like it. Yeah. But it's a famous movie, so we have to like <laughs> it. No, just joking. Well, um, look, body it, horror. It, I think it matches the the category of it's the it's time for a 
batshit science crazy movie and it's Halloween week so so we get two and one for Halloween (laughs) by the way we just had to cut and then do that again but I just, I'm still giggling because <laughs> the next, I did let's just say the next time Frida has to choose the batshit movie, it's going to be lols. <laughs> um, yeah. I can't wait. So we're going to do Cronenberg's The Fly. Yes. we got a lot of horror do, coming our do. way. And then we go into Christmas. Jesus. So <laughs> All right. Well, look, Yay. that's it for this week then. If you would like to join us um, in two weeks time, please do and give us a rating if you have time and subscribe <laughs> to the podcast on whatever your chosen player is. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email us on scienceofthemovies at gmail.com or catch us on Instagram at scienceofthemovies or on Twitter at movies underscore science. Please do come and chat to us and tell us your thoughts. Who do you agree with? Me or Frida, Captain America. Go, go, go. Frida. Frida. What? Crazy talk. <laughs> Fools. <laughs> Come with your pitchforks. Yes. <laughs> Come on, Marvel Army. Let's do this. MCU. MCU. <laughs> Are we at the yeah, end? Did we end, end yet? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>